Namaste, Namaskaram, Vanakam, Namo Namaha, Jai Ganesha. Please visit our website at classicalyoga.org and there is a donate button if you would like to help us out. Today's podcast, The Wisdom of the Vahanas. In the Hindu Yoga Dharma, we have many vahanas or animal vehicles. Now just consider for a moment, even if we simply look at ourselves as mental and emotional creatures, to say nothing of the inner essence, which Hindus call the Atmana, are we not being carried around by this animal body, this vehicle? Now in the Hindu yoga dharma, we worship everything. But it's very important to understand what this means. If we look at the English word worship, it's defined as respect and reverence. And respect has a twofold understanding. Respect means both what to attract and what to repulse, if you will. Clear example, the sun. We respect the sun or worship the sun, if you will, because without the sun, no life, no crops. But we also respect the power of the sun and know when to stay away from it. So with this understanding, we literally worship everything. But again, let's be very careful with this because often when we say the word worship, it's always with a positive connotation. And we do not worship negative things. We do not worship evil, for example. With the understanding of respect, we know to stay away from such things. We know certain things to avoid. This is a problem often with a Hindu universalism, when they mistakenly worship everything and give credence to even those who have nefarious purposes. Hindus, for example, who incorporate Jesus into their worship do not realize that it is the very motive of the Christians to not embrace Hinduism, but to actually eradicate it and absorb everything into Christianity. So again, Hindus worship everything, but let's be very clear with what this means. There is a quote-unquote obvious reason why throughout the ages, India, and by extension Hinduism, Hindu Dharma, has been very much pilfered from distorted beyond recognition because of this mistaken notion of respecting everyone in the sense of accepting them and not knowing when to reject them, not to know when to stay away from them or to repulse. For example, today's spurious yoga movement is the result of Hindus not understanding that those involved in this are in no way embracing Hindu dharma. They're actually divorcing yoga from Hindu dharma. Just look in popular culture with many Sanskrit, Tamil, Hindu terms and concepts. Guru, Swami, chakras, mantra, karma, kundalini, chakras. These are all widely used but almost rarely recognized as coming from the Hindu yoga dharma. Remember, one who teaches any of the great religions of the world is at the very least a member of said religion. With this important understanding, we clearly see that Hindus worship 
Mother Nature, Bhumi Mata. In fact, that's the first word for what we call Hinduism today. Ritta. Rittvijam, victory to Mother Nature. We worship nature. Obviously, this is our home planet. We worship the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and the water and the fire and the air and the inner silence, the ether, the akasha. Does it not make sense to respect these things, to respect the plants and the animals? And again, know which ones to stay away from. And this is why in the Hindu Yoga Dharma, one often says we believe in 33 million gods. Of course, the word God doesn't really apply to Hinduism, and that should be eradicated. You can listen to our podcast on the 33 million gods of Hinduism. Actually, it was a misnomer. It was 33 types. But Hindus do see this inner essence that flows through all things, both in the material world and in the spirit world, both animal and human animal. So therefore, if you go to a Hindu temple, especially one where they incorporate all the devatas, though not all of them do that, that's fine. You may have a pure Saiva temple, a pure Vaishnava temple, but many also incorporate many of the other deities within Hinduism. And the more popular ones today, because if we look back at the Vedic time, there are many deities that we don't focus on so much, or they have been morphed into other deities. But also, interestingly, profoundly, in new temples, you'll see images of animals, recognizing the true worship or respect or reverence for the animals, the vahanas, the vehicles. And the deities, most of them all have a vehicle, an animal vehicle that goes along with them, showing this human compassion and love for our fellow animal creatures. And those of you that are pet lovers, you know this. You know the profoundness of this. Now, when we look at our many deities within Hinduism, and we've done previous podcasts on this, there are several ways we can look at these divine beings. We can look at them purely as great works of art, great sculpture, painting, bronze casting. That in itself has an elevating sense to our consciousness, like visiting a museum. Number two, obviously there's tremendous symbolism going on here. Why do they have an elephant head? Why a monkey-faced deity? Why many arms? Remember, a picture is worth a thousand words, so the symbolism, which is life itself, we're surrounded by symbolism, and we draw to us those symbols that have meaning to us in our life, this can be extremely important, learning the symbolism of the different deities. So to the animal, vahanas. And number three, one may or may not have an intimate inner experience of one or more of these deities. And this is where in all the religions of the world, we obviously have to tread lightly because no one can actually deny that to an individual. Neither can we make what is an intimate experience to any one of us requisite knowledge for all. This is where we often go wrong, especially in the monotheistic religions. But you can find fundamentalist cultic leaders in all the religions of the world which try to push their deity on the whole world. So any one of these three is perfectly valid. Just enjoy the artwork. That's highly elevating. Learn the symbolism incorporated into one's life. And remember, we are symbolic creatures again. Take a picture 
of a loved one, and to you, especially if they're deceased, it may bring tears to your eyes. Another person might wonder, why are you crying? So too, when we learn the symbolism and perhaps have an intimate inner connection with one or more of these deities, both in human form, anthropomorphic, or in animal form, it may elicit great emotions from within. This is fine. This is wonderful. So any one of these three is perfectly valid. Personally, I like all three. I like the artwork, I like the symbolism, and obviously intimate inner connections with these deities. So with this vital prelude, let's look at the vahanas within the Hindu yoga dharma. And some symbolism, and of course you as an individual may have other symbolism that is highly relevant to you. So of course as Hindus we always start with Mahaganapati, this huge being with the elephant head and the human body, reminding us, remember, that we are animal, human, and divine, just as he is too. His vahana, his vehicle, is the humble mouse, mushika. Very interesting. From the greatest to the smallest. To see the divinity in such a tiny little creature, the little mouse. And we need to pause a moment. And though we don't advocate testing on these little Mises throughout history, right? Current history anyway, the medical field has used innumerable mice to test various products, to test medicines, perhaps surgical treatments on humans. And so obviously we're getting away from that now, but we have to bow to the great sacrifice that these little creatures have given to humanity. And remember, mice are different than rats. Mice will climb up high. They'll get up into your ceiling. Rats don't do that. They always stay down low. And mice are very swift, and they can easily get out of trouble. And there's an important symbolism here. You know, just like in the wearing of a mala or bees, which you can find in many religions, the thing that you don't see is the thread that holds all these individual beads of life together, if you will that inner essence. So little Mushika is really reminding us that even though we may not realize our inner essence, which we Hindus call the Atmana, this divine inner essence of Satchirananda, love, light, and energy, Jyoti, Shakti, Ananda, Shanti, even if we don't realize it's there, like the little mouse, the little mouse knows the house if you live in a board house, especially in the tropics. They know the house better than you do. They have all their secret passageways and they're working in there when you're asleep. There is a divinity within that knows us perhaps better than we know ourselves. Little Mushika. And actually when you look at Mushika and all of our Vahanas, or most all of them, they're just staring directly at the deity, their loved one. There's a great interconnection there. And if we look at little Mushika, he actually epitomizes our classic Hindu yoga religious spiritual lifestyle, which starts with karma yoga. Mice work, work, work. So little Mushika is always working, that divine inner essence that's always working, karma yoga. And look at him. He holds the laddu, the sweet treat, which a typical mouse wouldn't do, would they? They'd ravenously eat it. But he holds it and looks up at Mahaganapati. This is bhakti yoga devotion. He's saying his grace, anapurane, sarapurane, giving thanks. And that's bhakti yoga. He's staring directly at Mahaganapati. Watch the little Mushika's Images in the mandirs, and they're looking straight at Mahaganapati. That's Raja Yoga, intense, focus, dharana, concentration. 
which leads to the absorption, dhyana, and forever living with Mahaganapati, that's jnana yoga. So little mushika really represents all four yogas, karma yoga, in order, bhakti yoga, raja yoga, jnana yoga. This is really the lifestyle of what it is to be a Hindu. And he's assuming one steady, comfortable pose, which remembers all that the Saiva Hindu Guru Patanjali says is in Yoga Sutras. This is Hatha Yoga. One steady, comfortable pose, focusing upon Mahaganapati. Oh, little mushika, vahana. Modaka hasta chamara karana vlamita sutra vamana rupa maheshwara putra vignavinayaka pada namaskar. Now remember this ancient Hindu yoga dharma has so many wonderful puzzle pieces, if you will, to it. It's so old, and that's why it can seem very confusing to many. It's just complex. There's so much to it. But we understand there's an association here with the deities and with the chakras inside of all of us. Remember, the first chakra, Muladhara, is associated with Mahaganapati, the earth element. And as we ascend into the next chakra, the Svadasthana chakra, the water element at the genitals, this is the area for the Matajis, the mothers. And here we see some profound vahanas or vehicles for the mother. Obviously, Ma Durga, she rides the tiger, sometimes the elephant, I mean, sorry, the lion. But with the tiger, she's showing us now that you can control these passions within you. Learn to control them, conquer them. And interestingly, Mahadev Shiva actually sits on the tiger skin which now is showing the ultimate control of the passions. Now we have Mother Parvati, who typically, remember Durga, Kali, Parvati, these are different aspects of the same Mataji. Mother Parvati generally has the lion by her side, controlling, again, that power, that Shakti. The mother's always the tremendous Shakti. But as Meenakshi, the young Parvati Ma, the beautiful fish-eyed damsel, Meenakshi. She has a parrot on her shoulder. And any of you who have ever had a parrot, they often love to just get on your shoulder and they may whisper in your ear, giving you inner knowledge. You can go to the famous Meenakshi temple in Tamil Nadu and there you'll see the green parrot on Meenakshi's shoulder. Very affectionate creatures. They live long get very attached to their to their humans. And some may be wondering, mm, how about Kalima? Well, Kali is often seen standing on Mahadev Shiva, in a sense, her vehicle. In other words, understanding what Ma Kali is all about as the absolute, then it manifests or made manifest in the spirit world as Mahadev Shiva. Makali is the photon, if you will, the non-visible light, which then becomes the light that is Mahadev Shiva. Now, if we look at Ma Lakshmi, Ma Lakshmi is sometimes seen with the elephant, and interestingly, sometimes an owl, Ulka. So, of course, we know the wisdom of the elephant and the staying power of the element, elephant, and the fact that elephants actually brought prosperity into India. They were the original heavy equipment, if you will. But look at the wisdom of the owl. Patience, intelligence, 
which is important that Ma Lakshmi often has the wealth coming out of her hand and holds on to the Amrita member at her heart, the inner nectar of bliss. But as far as the material things in life, we need to let them grow slowly in a wise way, just like the wise owl. Then if we look at Ma Saraswati, the divine Mataji within Hinduism, arts, purity, culture, her vehicle is the regal Hamsa, the swan. And remember, Hamsa means I am that. Hamsa Soham, that I am. Representing the inner intelligence of Gyan Yoga, of Samadhi. And when you look at a swan sitting perhaps alone, on a solitary lake. It's a beautiful image, the blue water, the pure whiteness of the swan, the regalness, the elegant elegance and beauty. Truly an awe-inspiring vahana. And as the counterpart to Saraswati Ma, Brahma also has Hamsa as his vehicle. Now if we look to the youthful, loving warrior deities at the heart chakra, if you will. We see Moil the peacock, who is the vahana of both Murga, Skanda Murga, and Krishna. And the peacock, again, another regal bird, and a mystical bird. When the male peacock opens up its fan, all the mystical eyes of the peacock feathers, the mysticism of the heart chakra, of the experience of Atma Darshana, the goal for the Hindu. To see, to have insight into the inner essence of the Atmana. Which interestingly, the peacock also can represent, and we often say that when a person is very egotistical, arrogant, they, they dance around like a peacock. So we transform that, that unrefined love, that egotistical love, that selfish love, that pompous love into the no-hit, the pure experience of love, of the Atmana, the selfless love. In a way, the same Shakti, but very different as we transform that selfish love into selfless love, Mawil, the mystical peacock. And also Krishna, has the cow, which Hindus revere, the female cow, Gaumatra. And we Hindus, of course, adore the, the female cow. And why? People often ask, why do Hindus worship the cow? Well, my goodness. If you lived on, a, on an island, perhaps, and all you had was a cow, you would be able to sustain yourself. She gives life-giving milk, which is a miracle. Think of that. All she eats is grass and drinks water, and out the other end comes life-giving, full-protein milk, which we then can turn into butter and ghee, which also light our diyas, dahi or yogurt. And the cow excrements are extremely antiseptic. The cow urine, the cow feces, the dung, highly antiseptic. We use that to leap our floors in the mud huts. And also that that is what makes our sacred vibhuti, the holy ash that the Saiva Hindus wear on their forehead, 
as we literally now have transformed the BS in our life, if you get the meaning, into vibhuti, into the holy power of burning up lobakrodakana, greed and anger and lust. Obviously now we have the male, bull, which is nandi, shiva's vahana, nandi keshvara, the wish-fulfilling nandi, the bull, reminding us to be steady, to take all of those sensual powers and make them strong, stable, as he again just stares at Nataraja, stares at the Shiva Lingam, stares at Mahadev Shiva, totally fixed that power of the Dharma. And it is said that prior to the birth as Nandi the bull, Nandi was actually an anthropomorphic human deity, if you will. So Nandi reminds us to hold fast to the Dharma, be strong like the Dharma. And those of you that have been to perhaps Mysore, or at Tanjore, you've seen the beautiful, huge Nandis there. And they also have a gorgeous one at the, the Saiva Temple in Hawaii. Nandi Keshwara. Nag, and Nagdevata also is associated with Mahadev Shiva as he wears them all around. So the Nag is really important because this is the symbolic understanding of the way life moves. Life does not move in straight lines. That's for the mind of us humans, which help us to build buildings, etc. It's fine. But it's not the way of nature. Nature moves like a snake, the divine snake. It moves in a snake-like, wave-like movement, sound waves, light waves, heat waves. But also in its intensity of energy, it coils up. The coiling of the universe, the spiraling of the galaxies, the spiraling of the most creative, powerful acts in nature, the hurricane, the tornado, the whirlpool, the huge breaking wave with the eye in the middle, the empty space in the middle, the DNA, if you will, the cochlea inside the ear, the black hole at the center of the eye, Nagdevata, divine vahana, vehicle of life itself. Interestingly, that in the monotheistic religions, especially Christianity, the snake is seen as evil. Hmm. When that is life, no wave-like movement, no life at all. Nagdevata. And Mahadeva Shiva also, also has the deer with him, Mrigi also, the deer symbolizing the, the quietness of the mind, being able to calm the restless mind and be totally alert like the deer in the forest. Very few people actually see the deer because the deer knows that we are there long before we recognize them. Then, of course, we also have Mahadev Vishnu, Mahavishnu, whose vehicle is the eagle Garuda. And in the Hatha Yoga of Hinduism, remember, these are devotional postures to Hindu deities and the Hindu Vahanas as well. We have Garudasana, the eagle pose, the eagle, the eagle eye, the preservation that is Mahavishnu, preserving the Dharma, being keen, being able to soar high. Also, the eagle is symbolic of bravery and courage. So something that Hindus need to find, the courage to protect the dharma. Remember, we say protect the dharma and the dharma will protect you. And let this not be simply a cliche that we repeat, but let's truly do that. Protect the dharma. Realize the specific Hindu yoga dharma that we are following and let others learn about the Hindu yoga dharma. But don't ever make them teachers until they first fully commit to the Dharma.
This has been the fault of far too many Hindus who, ironically, paradoxically, don't even want to call themselves Hindus. They choose a universal term, a confused universalism, when they think Sanatana Dharma, when they believe that this is the, the tradition, the way, and everything is a manifestation of that. That's simply the fundamentalist, universalist mindset and has actually been the cause behind all of the distortions and thefts, actually, of the Hindu Yoga Dharma. Remember, we have many synonyms. It's Ritta Dharma, Vedic Dharma, Yoga Dharma, Sanatana Dharma, Brahmanism, Hinduism, the Hindu religion. Sabeka, Sarva Ekam. Be like the eagle. Be proud. Be courageous. Stand up for the Hindu Yoga Dharma. So these are the more well-known of the deities and the Vahanas, but we also have Gangama, who has the alligator with her, the Makara, which is actually the animal counterpart on the Svadhisthana chakra. And then we also have various aspects of nature that are deified. We have Agni, as, and the Vahana would be the goat. We have Surya with the seven horses in the chariot. We have Yama and the buffalo. We have Varuna, which is also Makara, the alligator, sea monster, if you will. Reminding us that the uh, second chakra, if we don't handle it properly, it can devour our life. We have Shani Dev and the crow. We have Vayu and the deer. We have Shiva's powerful form as Bhairavya and the dog. So the wisdom clearly of the Hindu Yoga Dharma and of the Hindus in the worship of everything, remembering what that means, and clearly worshiping the animals and the human animals. And those of us that have pets, we know that. We know that if we are open enough and humble enough, and generally they do bring out our loving qualities. And they teach us selfless service, seva, as we serve them. But they truly serve us too and serve as great teachers. Now, obviously here at the ashram we have Guru Yogi Kuchala, our divine little tabby cat, who now is uh, hes in his geriatric stage of life. He's in his final sannyas stage of life at 17 years old. But he's really been a true yogi and a true guru to all of us here, especially to me, obviously. I've learned so much from him. And those of you that have pets, cats, dogs, parrots perhaps, other animals, snakes, fish. We learn from these creatures and they teach us powerful, powerful lessons. They teach us the lesson of loyalty, of always being there. Something that we humans, when we get stuck in our ego nature and we get a little off put with people and things, we have to remind ourselves, just like our pets, that they're always there for us no matter what. They come to greet us, Sometimes when we mistakenly are perhaps a little bit too aggressive with them, they will always come back. They have such a sense of forgiveness. They're teaching us powerful, powerful life lessons of being always accepting. And of course, we have the animals that sometimes can turn very vicious and violent, but often that's because of the way they have been treated and they're just scared, they're afraid. If we treat them with love and 
kindness and compassion, they'll return that a hundredfold. And all of you that have your pets know that. It's, they bring out such a love and affection within all of us. And now, obviously, from personal experience with our ashram cat, Kuchula. And Kuchula, actually, that's a hot Indian spice, very typical in Trinidad, for example. But in Hindi, Kuch also means little, Kuchwala, little one. And we often humorously say, Kuch is pooch with a K for kitten. So little Kuchula has taught us so much about loyalty and kindness. And he's been treated with nothing but love ever since he's been here for 16 years, 24-7 at the ashram. Think of that. Think of the contentment of never really leaving the ashram. What a true yogi, more than any of us, never leaves the ashram. It's always here, living in the eternity of the moment, not getting bored. Could any of us do that? Never leave your home for 16 years and be content with dry food and water and relish it every single day, not needing varied tastes in food. Being totally content, Santoshima, wow, they really are epitomized, the true yogis. Now, dogs can be a little more needy, obviously, but cats are very mystical creatures, and they've always been mystical in all cultures of the world. And obviously, little Kuchula has been a great guru to me. He loves his water, drinking water every day, reminding me too. And all of us, that we really need to drink a lot of water. And again, teaching the wisdom of compassion, contentment, focus, concentration. Watch the, the eyes of a cat when they're just looking out the window, focusing on Mother Nature. So let's look, for example, at one of the signs, or the six signs, actually, of what it means to be wealthy as a Hindu. Remember the Shat Sampati? The sixfold wealth, Santo, Danta, Uparatas, Tatikshuha, Samahitaha, Shraddhavito. Santo, peace. Danta, control. Uparatas, introspection. Tatikshuha, endurance. Samahitaha, concentration. Shraddhavito, full faith. Many of you can look at your animal vahanas that live with you. And certainly when I look at Kuchi, he has epitomized what it is to be wealthy. He's been at peace, santo, fully controlled of himself. He's never once hissed, never bitten anyone, never slapped anyone with his paw. Danta. Totally introspective, uparatas. Tremendous, tremendous endurance the tikshuha, total concentration and focus, samahitaha, and full faith in me, full faith in life, just living in the eternity of the moment, day after day, shraddhavito. Wow. This is what it means to be wealthy. Dhanyavad, kuchi, guru kuchi, yogi kuchala. I know all of you should thank your pets for what they've taught you, and hopefully you're getting the lessons. Let them teach you what it is to have full faith, to never give up, no matter what. Never means never. To be fully accepting, fully accommodating of those who come to you, never dismissing them. 
Let them help you conquer your lobha, krodha, kama, madha, moha, abhimana, avidya, asmitta, your greed, anger, lust, pridefulness, delusion, fear, ignorance, and egoism. As we move on from untruth to truth, humbly admitting our lack of knowledge, as we move to an ever more enlightened state of being, and realizing the inner essence that flows through all things, animal and human animal. O Masatoma Sadgamaya, Tamasoma Jyotir Gamaya, Mrityorma Amritam Gamaya, and be like they are at peace, peace, peace. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. And let's conclude with the all-important understanding of the, not only the specifics of the Hindu Yoga Dharma. Please do your poor Vipaksha on the other religions of the world. And many of their beliefs are totally contrary to the Hindu beliefs. So be proud to be a Hindu, part of the Hindu family. And within the Hindu family, we basically have the three sampradayas or sects, if you will, Saivism, Vaishnavism, Shaktiism. And remember, Harihara Ekarupa Gunashila. We want to look at ourselves as a united Hindu family, whether we're Saivas or Vaishnavas or Shaktites. And they have subsects within them as well. But basically, it's the three Saiva, Vaishnava, Shakti, the three. So let us live in harmony and follow the Dharma and plant your yoga tree, because we all do, to one degree or another, the various Hindu yogas, and they're Hindu yogas, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, raja yoga, jnana yoga, hatha yoga, mantra yoga, japa yoga, nara yoga, natha yoga, kundalini yoga. So let's conclude with looking, for example, at the Saiva Hindu family, and the Vahanas. We have Mushika, the mouse, we have the snake, Nog, and we have the peacock, Moil. So in the wild, the snake eats the mouse, and the peacock can actually kill the snake. Ah, but look here. We have the three getting along, Mushika, Moil, and Nagdevata, reminding us that we need to exert every possible effort in keeping our families together. And obviously, as in life in general, we have, in the Hindu family, students and teachers, teachers who were formerly students, brahmacharis, brahmacharinis, and then our yogis and swamis and gurus within the Hindu yoga dharma, and our satgurus. So remember, it's one thing to be a student, but to actually be a disciple, or specifically a chela, or shishya in Sanskrit, is an entirely different manner. It is the Satguru's responsibility to their chelas, to their shishyas, to make them proactive warriors, never reactive cowards. And they will do everything within their power to make sure 
that they develop chelas and shishyas because they must go on after the guru's gone. Develop chelas and shishyas that have an indomitable will that never, ever give up. And they will push them, test them to the limit to see if they can get them to quit, to give up. So here again is where we learn from our vahanas, from our animal friends, from our pets, to have 100% loyalty, 100% devotion, 100% of a virya, of a warrior spirit. Find that youthful, loving warrior within yourself. And you'll give yourself and the world the greatest gift of being fully established in the Hindu yoga, Dharma, Shraddha. Remember Mahadeva Shiva, he tested Ganesha thoroughly. And it was Ganesha among all the other devatas that, that won the test. For he now is Mahavalabha, the overseer, the superintendent of Hindu Dharma. Entrance into Hindu Dharma comes with the connection of Mahaganapati. This is why Mahavalabha, Mahaganapati, is the first deity in America, actually, the first orthodox temple in Flushing, New York, Mahavalabha. Ganesha, above all the other devatas, won the right through being severely tested, lost his head, to now be the overseer, the superintendent, the guardian of the Hindu yoga dharma. And, of course, Mahadev severely tested Brahma when he lied and thought he was the creator of the universe. Again, fellow Hindus, this is why we do not worship God. The Anglo-Saxon term, which refers to a one male creator being noun. No such being has ever proved to exist. Don't be led astray by this relatively recent term. Remember, as Hindus, you have innumerable Sanskrit, Tamil, Hindu terms and concepts that you should be using. Brahman, Ishvara, Ishvari, Mahadev, Mahadevi, Isana, Kumari, all beautiful Sanskrit, Tamil, Hindu terms, you see. So, leave God and Lord to Christianity, for the Christian will never say to thee, Kali, Durga, Krishna, Vishnu, Shiva, bless thee. Can't you see this is not Christianity? You can love your Christian neighbors, but remember that their religion is very different than the Hindu dharma. Let them be, but you too, be a strong Hindu. So let us all take very seriously our role in the Hindu yoga dharma, one we have chosen. and be thoroughly inspired by Mahaganapati, the other devatas, and all of our vahanas. Thank you all so much for the lessons, the inspiration that you have given to us. You are our gurus. Om Sahana Vavatu, Sahana Bhunaktu, Sahaviryam Karavavahe, Tejasvi Navadita Mastu, Mavidvishavahe, Om Shanti Shanti Shantihi. Stand up for the Hindu Yoga Dharma. Om Namaste. Namaskaram Vanakam. Namo Namaha. Jai Ganesha. Jai Hindu Yoga Dharma.